Welcome to Lama Suryadas's Awakening Now podcast. This podcast is an expression of our shared connection. We depend on you, our community of listeners, for support. Please go to mindpodnetwork.com/suryadas and you can either click on the donate button or bookmark the Amazon link. We get a small percentage of all of your purchases. Or you can go and sign up for a free trial with audible.com. Your support will allow Lama Suryadas to continue to illuminate the timeless Tibetan wisdom. So when we practice, there are a few basic principles of Dzogchen I want to mention that we've kind of uh, touched upon in the instructions. Principles of Dzogchen. Like, first, naturalness. Not sitting in any forced or specific posture. You notice I didn't mention where to put your hands in some... Meditation systems, you always have to meditate with your hands like this, or like this, or in other ways. Or where to put your legs, cross-legged, lotus position, half lotus, quarter lotus, or a chair, or say a dealing bench, or what. So naturalness and ordinariness is very stressed in the Dzogchen way. That's why we say at ease, as you are. which leads to ordinariness, uh, relaxation. Relax, at ease. Yes, effort, but here we're stressing with the effortless effort of relaxation. And ease. And third, letting go, letting be. We hear the words letting go a lot, maybe too much, and it sounds like throwing things away. Letting come and go is the secret, friends. Letting be is our way, our practice. A great acceptance and equanimity cultivating this detachment, which doesn't paralyze us from letting be the impulse to help when some children need something either. Let that impulse be activated. Why not? Why suppress that? That's not letting be. Fourth, spontaneity, flow. Fifth, ordinariness. Give me what you got, Christopher. Clarity, right, openness. We've done this dance before. How many do we have? Eight, nine? They're all good. It's like three in one oil. Five parts, seven parts, nine parts. It's all, it serves the purpose. Some of them, it's hard to even distinguish between spontaneity and openness. Clarity, which is a very sharp, it's not vague, not dozing, not spaced out, not vague, not hazy. Sharp, I, like the Zen saying, eyes like ice. <sighs> cool and clear, but heart afire, passionate, intense, interested, avid, engaged, warm, blazing. Clarity and awareness or presence of mind, lucid presence. Not just sitting there and spacing out, not just lying in a hammock and dozing but lying in the hammock in the natural state. There may be a difference. Check it out. 
If you do yoga, isn't there a difference when you're lying in savasana, the corpse pose at the end, and very, very present, or falling asleep? There could be a difference to notice. You look into it and try to discriminate and discern how to cultivate the natural state in corpse pose and not just the sleep and oblivion in corpse pose. An eighth, perspicacity, insight, penetrating, understanding or insight, sharpness, discernment, wisdom. So these are kind of my uh, thinking eight original principles of Dzogchen meditation. Of course, you could say some of them are very similar, which is the point. This is simple, even if it's not always easy. You notice we're not talking about visualizing or focusing on a candle flame or chanting a mantra. We're talking about naked awareness practice. Awareness, aware of awareness, a holistic subject, object, and interaction, inseparable. Awareness is the subject, awareness is the object, awareness the interaction process. Seeing it that way, not I am looking at or meditating on the candle flame. And the mind wanders, I bring it back to the candle flame. That's for mindfulness practice. That's concentration practice. That's for calming and clearing the mind. This is for realizing the mind, the nature of mind, nature of who we are, our beingness, underneath the personality, where we're all joined, like the water table. It's at the bottom of all the wells, I've heard. I think this is provocative analysis, actually. But you should ask the questions as they come to you, not me. Oh, I could go on all week. I will. Any questions? <laughs> Anybody we haven't heard from? Put up your mitt. Yes, Jane. Hi. Um, I've been reading the bulletin board. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah, there's not much happening around here. That's like our television. (laughs) Oh, there's something new this week. Ah. (laughs) Well, in fact, I did find something new this time. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, well... Who put that there? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it ties to what we're talking about, and so I wanted to bring this up. Um, There are a number of things about this particular posting that really caught my imagination. And um, it started with this, her actions um, or appropriate responses. May I read the whole thing? I'd like to keep it short so other people can ask, okay. ask, a quest, ask questions. But, you know, so this go is, ahead. Yeah, it, it really captured my imagination, though. So I'll, I'll read it, and then we can decide what you want to do with it. Thus, the, uh, her actions are appropriate responses. Thus... They are effortless. She embodies compassion, yet she doesn't try to be compassionate. She doesn't struggle to make money. I like this part. (laughs) Yet she enjoys spending it when it comes to her. She goes her own way, yet she accepts her help gratefully and has no pride in walking alone. She is not elated by praise nor discouraged by neglect. She doesn't give even a moment's thought to right or wrong. She never has to make a decision. Decisions arise by themselves. She is like an actress who loves her role, the Tao, 
is writing the script. I love that. Thank you. The line that um, I'm really intrigued by is that she never has to make a decision. Decisions arise by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be because I'm... And I, maybe I, we're always making decisions, always, 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 almost every, right. every moment, right? But sometimes there are really big decisions to make, and I wonder how all of this informs how we go about making those decisions. Of course it does. But that's a very absolute quote. What does it say? Never, she, she never, never has something. To make. Never is a big word. Never has to make a decision. Decisions arise by themselves. Ah. Everything arises by themselves, but it seems to us sometimes we have to make decisions more than other times, right? That's the relative truth. So we have to be careful not to get those confused. Like sometimes you do have to decide this or that, and it takes some attention and reflection and concentration or even, you know, asking for advice and factoring that in, right? Yes. But the truth is, for the absolute, everything happens by itself, but that's not the way we live. What are you thinking about this? What captures you so much? The she at the beginning? <laughs> well, <laughs> that did get my attention. <laughs> the, the, this version, by the way, is by uh, Stephen Mitch Of Mitchell. course it is. So Everybody I'm else translates it as he. But, you know, to high knees, it yeah. may be he, but it may be gender neutral, doesn't matter. Yeah. One, it could say one, but one is such a boring word. Yes. One, whatever, tau, ba, ba, blah. Right, right, right. right. So, <laughs> tell me if this is getting a little too um, out It is, there. it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I want to move it on to other people, but anybody can read that on the board and think about it. Um, it's a wonderful quote from the Tao Te Ching. The, one, there's many wonderful things in the Tao Te Ching, the wisest book probably ever written by Lao Tzu, and Stephen Mitchell's translation is excellent. My, and my favorite one is, the master does the best she can and lets go, and whatever happens, happens. Questions? Yes. White man. Yeah. <laughs> old, old white man. Oh, no, that describes half the people, <laughs> yeah, everybody yeah, here. That. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> uh, I have a question about the meditation, uh, non-meditation. Yeah. Okay. And uh, when we're not doing this, I find myself, uh, last evening. Talk especially. English. I can't understand you. Are you serious? No. Go ahead. <laughs> Just keep it simple. Okay, I will. <laughs> All right. Uh, I find myself in a state when we're not practicing of unusually a racy mind, um, like really unusually racy mind, uh, alternating with uh, being uh, pretty spaced out, pr pr very lack of clarity in my head. Okay. You mean when we're not in here or when you're not well, oh, in here, practicing? In here, what? I'm fine. Yeah. Out there, like taking a walk yesterday. Very, uh, very racy, as if some part of me is making up for this clarity to try to, like, you know. That may be. Yeah, I'm sure it is. That's a trying good, to kind of pull me back guess. down. Yeah. Right. How do you. Uh, Maybe not trying to pull you back down. Maybe just to rebalance, to 
habitual system, you know. Like when it's too hot, the room, you open the window. When it's too cold, you close it. Not to pull you down. Good enough. But the racy, distracted, you know, being carried away could be a problem. But it depends on how you're framing it. By comparison to the silence here, when we go home, you know, it could be seem like a problem. But we live at home. We can't live like this. I mean, we could choose to, but we don't. So, you know, when you go home, that's where you're out driving. You know, things are faster and noisier and more intense, and that's life. So hopefully we have something that we learn here that helps us integrate that and be more peaceful or equanimous, equanimous and balanced. Uh, you know, find some inner peace that's beyond the polarities of noise and quiet. Find some inner stillness that's beyond the polarities of racing or settled mind, which are just states. Find some inner fulfillment that's beyond the up and down I like, I don't like of the personality of subjectivity. That's what I'm hoping to get out of what we're doing here. Not that the mind can't move anymore or even race if it's race time. It might be race time out there, you know. I don't know what you do in the world when you're arguing your case in court or whatever the mind's supposed to be free associating and race time. Go as fast as it can. It's race time. It's race time, I guess. A problem is we often feel so speeded up and distracted and we can't calm down. So now is the time to balance that with the calming and clearing and vegetarian and low stimulation and uh, meditation and quiet and continuous awareness cultivation for balance. Then we can go beyond the distinction between meditation and post-meditation, not meditating time. So that in the beginning we carry the practice and we cultivate awareness and mindfulness and good you know, positivity and all. And later it carries us more naturally. We don't have to carry it all the time. Thank you. Also, I think that um, walking outside is a good practice, a very important practice as an in, uh, intermediate before we walk out into the world and you drive and you run and you, you know, whatever you do. Run to catch the subway or, you know, whatever you have to do. Run to catch grandchildren, you know, whatever you have to do. The great-grandchildren. <laughs> That's race time. That could be fun, not bring you down. How you frame it, very important. That's why we say everything is subjective. That's a very steep teaching. As the Buddhists say, there is no unequivocal good or bad. There's only liking and disliking. Or as Shakespeare said the same thing, he had so much insight into human nature. Things are neither good nor bad, but thinking makes them so. That's Shakespeare. A very challenging and provocative, steep statement. What does that mean? Hitler is not bad? But you ask the questions. Questions? Yes, back there in the back row. David Green. Hello. Hello, uh, Brother Green. Hello, hello, hello. It's been great being here. Today's my last day, and uh, it's been incredible as always. Thank you. 
I'm glad to see you, as always. Yes, since uh, I am one of your oldest students, right? Very old. Really? Oh, my God. Never thought we would be this old together. We anyway. must be slow learners. We're still doing this. Yes, and enjoying every minute of it. Um, Surya, my question is, you speak of awareness aware of itself. I have to kind of add my own little twist to that, not, okay. to, not to get confused by it, but mm -hmm. maybe I could just ask you, maybe I'm sure we're saying the same thing. I'm sure. But, um, you know, words, words do have their limitations. Um, in, in various traditions, because I'm interfaith and I study many, many traditions and find all the words that mean the same thing in every different tradition. Uh, other traditions might say the nature of self. Um, the Buddha might have said emptiness. So, um, staying with this tradition, isn't it awareness aware of the emptiness? The no, awareness no. is the witness of the emptiness? No. Is the awareness the emptiness? Emptiness is um, open, like empty, like not a thing, and yet lucid, cognizant. It's got a knowing quality to it. So we try to be careful and distinguish between just empty, emptiness, and... You know, awareness is also making it too much of a thing, but you have to put some words on it. So Nam Kaino Barimpache calls it presence. It's hard to work with, but, you know, if we're in a field of talking about, like, God and truth and enlightenment, then we need a sophisticated vocabulary and beyond conceptual understanding. That's why be careful about inserting the witness into the process. Maybe the, it's witnessing. Maybe the whole process is witnessing. Then you have to ask, I mean, you should be asking, but I'll do it for you. Then who or what is witnessing? That's... The Dzogchen type question about the nature of identity, agency, who's doing what around here? Is God pulling the strings? Is it all scripted and written already? Or what? Who am I? Who are you? What's the nature of self and other and self and, you know, relation of man and God, self and God? Well, whatever, however you frame it. So notice I often use synonyms, awareness, Naked awareness, pure presence, incandescent presence, lucid, scentless openness, trying to de describe the indescribable, just get into the field of what it's not. We're not visualizing, chanting, looking at a Buddhist statue. This is not really Buddhism. This is like timeless wisdom awareness practice or something, which is part of Buddhism, let's hope. You see what I'm saying? You don't need to be a Buddhist or think Buddhism. We're not talking about looking at the Buddha's face or statue. So awareness, then I say awareness, aware of awareness, subject, object, and interaction. I explain that rather than I am meditating on it. I am witnessing the accident. I know what you mean by witnessing. Awareness is the subject that's awareing or experiencing or looking. And awareness is the object that we're looking at, recognizing everything as display of awareness. It's how we see things. It's our karmic projections and perceptions. 
like whether we see it as hot or cold in this room right now is our subjective projections and interpretations. The temperature is one, but our interpretations are many, right? Uh, that, so I hope that's helpful. That's very helpful. If I could just ask one more yes, question go ahead. about it then. Yes. Um, before awareness, before awareness, uh, a word that's, that I've heard used that I like a lot, the absolute. As a matter of fact, I've heard you use that word. Um, it's a tricky word. The absolute existed before awareness, and then somehow, I hope I'm not getting too heady here. A little but heady. Then, but then somehow awareness through the miracle Just of life came into being. So there was heady. an emptiness. In the beginning there was A, and then there was awareness, A and W, and A and B, and A and B and C, awareness, and absolute, and... So was there Advaita anything... Advaita and, you know, a lot of things. Was there anything before awareness? Yes. Thank you. But it's not a thing, and it's hard to talk about it. That's why in Tibetan, the word Rigpa that we're translating as awareness with a capital A is also translated as presence or primordial being. It's not so personal. It's like transpersonal being. David, you, you said you study many religions, well, whatever you said, traditions, spiritualities. What does it say in the beginning of Genesis? In the beginning was the Logos. Is that the same as the word for God? No. It doesn't say in the beginning was the word. That's a translation. It says in the beginning was the Logos. So you have to say, what is Logos? The law? The energy, the om, it's kind of like om. What does it mean? Yes, in the beginning was the logos, before there was awareness. But what is the logos? And where did that come from? Etc. Could One could wonder if you're going to get heady. I mean, it's interesting. Thank you. That's uh, very clarifying. I hope that's helpful. Thank you. Very helpful. You know, Thank also, you I'm try try to be non-sectarian, and I'm also exploring these matters. Yes, Just like you. You. Uh, you do keep your mind open. It's one of the things I I'm love trying. about you. Thank, Thank you, you Surya. Thank you very Thank much. You. Anybody we haven't heard from yet? Any quiet, quiet ones? Move your hand. Yes. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Um, I have a practice question. Um, since you're talking about the naturalness, and, and then I heard you earlier talk about balance, it's also a comment, but then I welcome your, your input. Um, you've been emphasizing sky-gazing, um, and I find that sky-gazing for me feels more like the graduate level of... Balance. Go on, Joel. Um, Sky gazing to me feels like the graduate level of um, practicing uh, meditation, and <clears throat> I um, I remember that Carl Jung said that uh, I'm going to have to paraphrase him because I forget his exact words, but it's something like when I look outward, I dream, and when when I turn inward, I awaken, and I find that 
Um, What'd you say? Can you say that again? I like that. Um, well, you'll have to. I can email you the. I exact read that too. Words. Just, okay. just to say it again. He said when something like I that. When I look outward, I dream, and when I turn inward, I awaken. That's very nice as far as it goes. Um, I have found that very helpful for myself, and I also have found that um, keeping my eyes closed helps me to really turn within and to awaken my my. Mm -hmm you know, my higher self, my true in nature. Mm -hmm. And um, you've been emphasizing sky gazing at this retreat, but I think last year I heard you say something like, if you've, like in the afternoon especially, you'd say, if you've been meditating with eyes closed um, earlier, you know, for balancing um, practice sky gazing now. <clears throat> and um, anyway, I just find that I can't sky gaze right away and all the time, I find that I have to sometimes close my eyes to find myself and then I can better get the beyond, like the sky gazing of fixing nowhere, like neither in nor out or both simultaneously. Anyway, I just had to That sounds fine if you want. That's more of a gradual approach, like you're preparing yourself and then you're, you know, you know what I mean? Like first you're closing your eyes, it sounds like going inward and concentrating and what you said called finding yourself or like getting collected, gathering your energies, and then you can sort of throw yourself into the vast, uh, formless void. So that's fine as far as it goes. And I say that because I like that Jung quote when I read it, and then I thought, that's for, fine as far as it goes, and that sounds nice. Like Gandhi says, turn the searchlight, the spotlight inwards. But that's kind of a beginner's seeker instruction you know that's why i say i think more important is like to turn the spotlight to search like deeper not just inwards deeper into everything so give me jung's quote again when i go out i what when i look outward i dream when i turn inward i awaken yes that's good for in the beginning to turn us away from our big materialistic outward seeking and looking for Love in all the wrong places, you know, as if it comes from outside. I'm looking for what we need from outside, but how about when I look outward, I awaken within the dream, or to the dream when I look inward, I awaken within the dream. That's the, dream the graduate like I, level. <laughs> the dream like I awakens within the dream. I guess That might be more complete Dzogchen-y kind of um, pithy instruction. That's pretty amazing, and I, I, I guess for now I can humbly say that I sort of need to have beginner's mind, uh, like sure. to go back to the beginning, every, like yeah, when I begin, do. you know. That's good. Uh, right. And then I gonna go. To That's the why Drukchen Rinpoche says everything must be meditated, not just inward stuff, in in not just noumena, mind stuff, but or body stuff, but everything, you know, outward and inward. It's all consciousness arisings. Last question, anybody? You. Young lady, didn't you have your hand up? Please. Um, I guess I'm wondering how, given the list you had there, like the different qualities to cultivate, like naturalness and relaxation and ease. Yeah. I guess I'm just wondering what role meditation practice, I guess when, when I hear those words, I feel like they provide me, they don't provide me with much of a sense of like particular direction. 
they just feel really broad and I feel like, I mean, I guess for me what becomes the difference between just sort of doing whatever and sitting down to meditate? That's a good um, question. That's why these are not meditation instructions. These are like qualities of Dzogchen meditation. What are the meditation instructions? Do you remember that I've been repeating every day in meditation? Natural body, just sitting. That's an instruction, right? Let it be and aware of physical sensations. And second, natural breath, that's an instruction, not breath of fire, not breath holding. Let it be and aware of it. And natural mind, just sitting, just breathing, just being present and aware, that's the instruction for this natural meditation. And then more, the eyes open and upraised gaze, the sky, those are the meditation instructions. These are qualities of the Dzogchen non-meditation awareness. See what I mean? Now let's talk about the meditation instructions. It is admittedly a bit of a formless meditation, but it's not entirely formless. We're sitting, we're breathing, we're attending in a certain way, we're paying attention a certain way, unlike, what did you say, what's the difference between that and doing whatever I feel like doing whenever, right? Ordinary life. So let's not pretend this non-meditation is, is not meditating. We're having a meditation retreat, we're silent, not to mention vegetarian and morality and all that, but just in the meditation part we're talking about. We're meditating for a period of time, and we begin with the chanting and breathing, so we, the warm-up exercises, let's say, so we can get more into the formless, no-direction state, which is admittedly a bit advanced, as Jonelle was saying. So are you used to meditating? Um. Yeah. Or Buddhism, or yoga, I, or something, I guess, or prayer? I guess the form of meditations I've done have been more concentration-based. Right. Well, this is not concentration-based. New to me. Yeah. Yeah. This is panoramic awareness-based and natural awareness-based. That's why the title of the retreat is Natural Awareness Dzogchen Meditation, or whatever it is. Something like that. <laughs> what kind of meditation are you used to that's more concentration-based? Does it have a name? I mean, I've done shamatha within okay. uh, the right. Shambhala Center. Concentration meditation, yeah. Then in Zen, too, I've done a lot right. of like counting the breath and things yeah, like so that. Yeah, so counting the breath is also sort of concentration meditation, right? So those are, you know, important, basic Buddhist meditations. As I mentioned, I think it was yesterday, there's two kinds of meditation. Basically, concentrative, calming, clearing, focusing the mind meditations, like shamatha, shine. And then insight, wisdom-oriented meditations, like panoramic awareness meditations. Vipassana, whatever you want to call it, Laktong, Trungpa Rinpoche called it panoramic awareness or higher seeing. That's a good translation of insight, higher seeing. That's his translation from the Tibetan. This is more insight-based, or the union of shamatha and vipassana. Back to the perspicacity and so on. The clear, you know, that's the, the wisdom part. And then there's the sort of focus part. Yes, we're not beginning with concentration, but that's why I also emphasize the chanting and the breathing. And I said focus on the syllables one by one. I'm aware of the issue. But give yourself some credit. You're sitting there, you know, I've been watching you a little. Like I watch everybody. I'm not sitting here meditating exactly only. I'm like aware of what's going on. Then I see that you're, you know... In the game, so that's all. In this game, the hoop is bigger than the court, so you can't miss. 
please. <laughs> I think that's a good place to end before we get carried away. Thank you for listening to Lama Suryadas's Awakening Now Hour. We very much appreciate your support and hope you will continue by going to mindpodnetwork.com slash suryadas and link to the donate button or go to the amazon.com link for all of your purchases. Namaste. Oh